0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Um, Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you for making the time today and and saving me from spreadsheet wrangling. I have been spreadsheet wrangling for about an hour. uh, And I thought, will I get this done before I speak to Jill? And I didn't. um, But uh, I have to say, speaking with you, what I'm looking forward to sharing with you um, is going to be much more fun than spreadsheet wrangling. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you. I'm glad I could help you with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, could you introduce yourself to the listeners, please?
1: Yeah. Um, so, my name is Jill Cruz. Um, I live in uh, Colorado, um, USA, and I am a former foster parent and an adoptive parent of. Um, I have two children. Um, one who we adopted through the foster care system, and uh, one who's a biological child. Um, and I have also spent my career working in um, the child welfare field, um, working with foster families and adoptive families and, um, and others that, that engage with um, families like mine. Um, so I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having sure. me.
0: Thank you. I'm excited too. So, before we started recording, uh, recording, you were talking about the fact that we get lost in the mix, in the mix of doing. I think was your words, mm-hmm. and um, that sometimes uh, puts us kind of out of kilter, and we forget about the you, you use this word relational experience and connection. So, why did you pick that? Why did you pick that thing? Why, what do you, why do you think that that's a rich area for us to to explore?
1: Yeah, you know, along the way, along my journey, I've had, um, you know, various aha moments um, that have kind of led me down the, uh, a path of, you know, mindfulness and self-discovery around, the the relational piece that I have with my children and that my children have with me, I think as as parents, we oftentimes you know it's it, it, it'll come to our mind. maybe easier that we think about like well how's my child feel about me, are they connected with me, um, do they feel safe, uh, do they trust me all of those things are they attached. Yeah, especially when we've adopted them. Um, I think that's even a more prominent thought that we have. And all of those things are really important, but sometimes I think what we forget about is that that connection and the, that we have with our kids is just as much about us as parents as it is about our children. So it's just as important for us to bond with them and to connect with them and to be, uh, you know, understanding of what our experience is of building that connection, as it is for us to understand their experience. And I think it's really easy for us to forget that. And then as time goes on, you know, we get going and we're doing things right. We're making sure everybody's got everything taken care of and. Uh, you know, we're worried about school and grades and we're worried about friendships and for our kids and we're worried about like all these other things. And sometimes I think we neglect to think about our own experience of that relationship and how much that impacts the relationship itself.
0: So I'm, I'm delighted to use the word aha moments because that uh, we, we live in a world that seems to be obsessed with strategies Mm. because it's easy to strat- it's, it's a lot easier to strategy dump than it is to have an insight you know it, you know, we're kind of it's, it's, it's all about the strategy it's all about techniques it's all about behaviour it's all about trauma understanding it's all about it's, it, it just kind of keeps on going so um, could you share one of those aha moments um, yeah. because that's what I want to do with the show really I want to share people's aha moments in the hope that it uh, it, 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 it uh, catalyzes some aha moments in, in the uh, in the listeners' head so that it, we they move along their learning curve uh,
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, you know so uh, along the way of my career um, I have done a lot of uh, facilitation of training for, Families who are caring for children who have had really uh, tough stuff in their history—you um, know, uh, kids who've come into foster care, kids who've been adopted, kids who have traumatic histories—and it, you know, the training was was strategies um, was a piece of it, but another really big piece of it was about the relational component and was about um, you know mindfulness. And, and how each person in that relationship um, can have some awareness and mindfulness of their experience. And so within the context of facilitating that training, um, my colleague and friend um, who I was co-facilitating with shared a story about her experience with, um, you know, the attachment process with her, her adopted daughter. Um, and Essentially, the crux of it was that she had this moment um, when she was, um, you know, working with a therapist around attachment, she had this, this moment where she was looking at her daughter, and she realized, I have never, I, I have never had the opportunity to See her in this. See her from this. From this angle. From in this light. You know, because everything has always been about what do I need to do for her? How do I need to care for her? How is she attaching to me? And not necessarily thinking about what is my experience with her. Um, and this story is. Um, and I'm I'm trying to be respectful. And not this is her story, not my story. So, it. Um, so I want to be cautious about what I what I. Put out there about her story um, but essentially she was trying to uh, the, the therapeutic process in that session was seeing if her daughter could fall asleep in her arms and it took a while but eventually her daughter did fall asleep in her arms and her daughter was about four at the time and she looked down and she looked at her daughter's face and she started crying and the therapist said well what, tell me about that. What is that? A, what's going on for you? And she said, I've never seen her face from this angle in this peaceful state because, um, there wasn't, she didn't get those opportunities, those moments to like go check in on her when she was sleeping, because she was just, her daughter was on high alert a lot. And so she would wake up if anybody came into her room and, and it was just this recognition of, you. I mean, if you think about like those, her her daughter came to her when she was already a toddler. So she didn't have those moments of like holding her her in her arms as an infant and looking at her and rocking her and that kind of thing. And then didn't have the opportunity to go in and watch her while she sleeps, um, which I think a lot of us as, as parents, you know, we have those moments where we'll just creep in their rooms and look at them and like, oh, look at my angel, they're sleeping And she just realized in that moment, she's like, I've never been able to see her from this angle. I've never seen this peacefulness in her. And she said in that, as she was telling that story, she said, it was in that moment that I realized that my bonding with her and my experience of building this relationship with her is just as important as her attaching with me. And when And when my colleague shared that story, I had this huge light bulb moment that went off on my head thinking about my own child and my son. And although we had, um, he came to us as a baby, as an infant, he was very colicky, very, very difficult to soothe. And and he did not express any joy um, or any kind of peacefulness until he was probably about eight months old. So our experience of caring for him was very stressful. Um, At times it was, I mean, it was stressful. It was frustrating at times I felt irritated with him. And even sometimes to be perfectly honest, kind of angry, like, why won't he calm down? Why can't I get him to calm down? And a big reason for that was his in utero history. He had been exposed to drugs and probably other things um, in utero. And um, you know, I when she told this story, uh, my son was oh at that time he was probably in um, like elementary school or primary school. I think it's maybe how uh, you refer to it in the UK. Um, how old and, is he? Uh, I'm sorry. How old is he? How old is he now?
0: No, how old? How old was he when when you when you had this moment?
1: Oh, he was in elementary school. So he was probably like maybe eight or nine. And we had had him from the time he was an infant. And I had never had this realization, but when she told the story, I had this huge aha and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never had this experience of like looking at him as this is my precious baby. This is my precious boy. And he's, And falling in love with him and experiencing that relationship and that process of attaching and bonding from a place of warmth and calm and joy and success, to be perfectly honest, (laughs) you know. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, so now you know, now when he's older at the time, when he was like eight or nine, I realized how that translates into how I arrive with him in that relationship in different moments in time. So when he's upset or he's struggling, and this is true even today, that is still something I'm working on. Um, When he's struggling, when he needs me, when he's frustrated, when he's upset, my initial immediate just kind of raw blue blueprinted response to him is this feeling of what now or frustration or irritation um and in order for me and and that's you know that's definitely harkens back to that time during the early first few years that we had him is because that was my experience that's what I was feeling most of the time when he was little and so when I realized that I was like first of all it's not his fault so it's my job to work on that for me on my side and some of that work would involve him like doing things to kind of recreate those experiences now that he's older, but it is my job to work on that so that when I arrive in relationship, I can arrive from a place of you are my precious boy and I am here for you. Um, And that's not an easy thing to say. Uh, It just doesn't come naturally because of the experience that I had when he was really young. Um, And don't get me wrong. He is my precious boy and I love him dearly. but because of that blueprinting that I call it blueprinting of the, the, the relationship and how we built it from the very beginning and how the experience of it for me is that that experience for me has an impact on how I emotionally respond when things get tough or when he needs me. And so I literally have to say sometimes, when I am going toward him, you know, or, or trying to help him or he has experience, if that comes up in me of that feeling of frustration or irritation, or, you know, taking this big sigh, like, oh, now what, then I have to literally think in my brain, this is your precious boy, you know, and remind myself how I need to arrive. Um, And that's really hard. And I think that's a reality that probably many of us adoptive families, adoptive caregivers face, is that whether our our child came to us as an infant or they came to us as an older child, a lot of our kids have a lot of challenges and a lot of needs that are really difficult. And so our experiences of growing that relationship with our child is sometimes filled with difficulty and frustration because of everything our child has been through. And I think sometimes we forget to think about how that affects us um, emotionally within the context of that relationship. Um, And the first step of it is is acknowledging it, recognizing it, and then trying to create opportunities for other experiences. Wow. I would say that's probably one of the biggest,
2: one of the biggest ahas that I've had. See, I've I've had
0: a couple of moments like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: I had one, um, one on a on a on a Zoom call Mm
2: -hmm.
0: with a um, a lady called uh, Shireen from Egypt, and I was. I was training her, I was training her, and, and, and I, was, I was training her in an in in approach that I use with kids. And I, I use kids about their, 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 their actions, the feelings that lead to their actions, the thoughts that lead to the feelings that lead to the actions. Mm-hmm. And who they truly are mm-hmm. underneath all that.
2: Right?
0: And we were talking. I, I, I was I was asking her about her love for her child, mm-hmm. and her love kind of her love for herself, and we fell into a, a bath of love together. Mm. Now. I, I used to think that love was like holding your hands right love, love was holding hands it was it, it was a, it was a connection mm-hmm. whereas this love was like a bath of love it was it was it, it was uh, it, it was a space rather than a connection
2: mm-hmm.
0: and in that space i we were in that space of love together we we were in a space of love um, sorry, I, you 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 know that I don't mean romantic love, don't you?
1: I do know that, yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, and in in that space, I saw her completely differently. Mm. Like I I saw her for the kind of for the first time, really.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like your friend saw her daughter in that angle from the side, and uh, and and she actually my view of her changed because all I I, I saw who the essence of who she was you know I saw her as love from a place of love I saw her as love I saw her um, radiating and uh, and uh, and in touch with her essence and herself as love and has um and a, a daughter as has love too so it's an experience and it, 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 it and it's it you know we 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 talk about falling in love but this is kind of like this isn't romantic love this is kind of really it's just it, it's it's a space not a connection it's a
1: mm.
0: um and i've had that about I, I i've had it again about myself so I went into a, I was going to a a, a meeting Um, and it was a kind of like a a training, a bit of a training, a bit of a top up. Yeah. And they showed, they were, they had a slideshow running on the projector and it, and it showed pictures of the people of, of, of different groups who had been through the core training over the years. And, um, and 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 as I, as I walked into this room, my group of eight people uh, appeared on the on, on on the projector, and I just started crying
2: mm-hmm.
0: about how far I'd come in that week's training that I did, and how far I'd come from since that training. And it was about it was a feeling, it, it, it was the feeling of being. Uh, on one level, it was the feeling of being enough,
2: mm. and
0: another, on another level, it was a feeling of deep, and utter connection of love, like connection with who we, who I truly am. That kind of like, so I talk about you know, we're human, we're, we're human beings having a spirit. Sorry, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's what I mm. mean by that. The essence of our spirit, and it's a really quiet, peaceful deep, profound spot. and I't I touched it very often we, yeah. you know I'm too busy you know? I started the conversation with you talking about spreadsheets mean you're 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 a mom you're a mom so you've got all this stuff going on you telling me about holiday and having to reschedule it and it's like almost is going on and we, we is. As, as human beings we just we've got so much on we've got so much going on in our head we've got so much beating up we've got so much worrying about the future we've got so much we got so much <laughs> we 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 lose the love that we are
1: yeah yeah i i I agree. I appreciate that. As you were talking about kind of just this, what you said about we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I love that. I love that way of thinking about it. And you know, what you were saying about like having these, having these moments where you, you can be completely authentic, authentically you, and just have be in that space of just. You know this this real raw love and and um, and and engagement even with other people. I mean, what came to my mind honestly, as you were talking about this, and and as you were talking about like how busy we are and everything, think about like for me, what came to my mind is like an exhale, of like letting everything else fall away. You know, letting the busyness and what we have to do and who we think we need to be and the expectations that we have for ourselves and the expectations that we have for other people in our lives and the things that like the, the historical things that get in the way of, you know, just being truly present hundred percent in that moment and just exhaling all of that away and just being in that as you say, love, you know, being in that space of love with one another and really honoring the, the amazingness of our being and of our, um, just who we are in, in everything, you know, all of our, everything, you know, our, our good parts, our bad parts. I mean, because it's, I think there's so much beauty in in all of us, you know, Um, and I think everything else that's going on all the time around us clouds that, Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's true for caregiving and being a parent. Whether you're parenting a biological child or a foster child or an adoptive child or what have you. It's very easy for everything else to cloud the picture, right? And it, and if we can just let that fall away and exhale that out and just be 100% present in that space with each other. I mean, gosh, if we, if I could have that experience on a daily basis, I can't even imagine how fulfilled I would feel and how amazing my life would be.
0: Um, but it, it it's it's easy to forget how important that is So a few metaphors came to my mind um on this uh the The first one was um th- they're all th- they're all kind of landscaping metaphors. so the first one that came to my mind was um the um the, the you know the choppy water so you were talking about going to the beach I was talking about going to the beach mm-hmm. So a beast, the, the water's all choppy on the surface, but then right down at the bottom of the seabed, it, it's, it's the calm.
1: Mm.
0: And, 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 and we're, we're focused on that. We're, we're focused on the choppy stuff. Yeah. Top. You know, the, the, the waves crashing in, you know. And um, I'm, uh, the other thing, as I'm thinking about this, like I'm not a surfer. I'm really not very agile or coordinated. I've tried windsurfing once, but you know, we, we we go looking for the waves. You know, surfers yeah. go looking for the waves, right? Um, uh, and and uh, divers go looking for the for the deep. Oh, here's one. That so those people, that the the people uh, Richard and Liz, who run the training, where I found myself crying going into the room, looking at a picture of myself and realizing how far I'd come. And you know, that essentially that it was a feeling of I am enough. I'm
1: enough.
0: Mm. I, 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 I'm enough. But, you know, that's I'm enough. And then I'm <laughs> and then <laughs> and, and then no I'm, I'm more than enough. I'm, I'm perfect. I'm the whole universe, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, and we all are. This isn't a modesty thing, right? Um, <laughs> this isn't a Simon Van thing. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they they talk about like who who finds. Richard talks about you know who who finds more pearls. The 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 pearl diver
2: mm-hmm. or the bus
0: driver. The, the pearl diver is to go looking for the pearls, and. The, the the pearls are in the peace and the calm at the bottom of the, uh, the the bottom of the seabed. Uh, uh, yet we 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 we're excited on the waves at the top, mm-hmm. and 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 that translates. The that translates to the spiritual being having the human experience. All our focus is on that human experience bit, and that's 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 the day to day that's the, the the contact sport that is life mm-hmm. that's the choppy that's the choppy water at the surface and the spiritual being is the calm can kind of
2: mm-hmm. at,
0: at the bottom of the seabed so that was the first one that came to mind the next one <laughs> the next one was the the, the um the tornado right
2: mm. so,
0: but we're the calm, the eye of the the eye of the tornado, the eye of the tornado is the calm.
2: Yeah,
0: that's the love, and yet yeah, our focus is on all the ninety million miles an hour stuff that's going running around. And then when you said about the clouds or clouded over, you've heard. I mean, I think this is a Buddhist one. You know, like where we're 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 focused. Like, we're obsessed by the weather. <laughs> we're looking at the clouds. And we're forgetting that we're the sky. Mm. So it's a matter of perspective. And again, yeah. the, the, the clouds are the human experience. The sky is the
2: spiritual essence, the mm. love that we That we truly are
1: yeah you know and it's something that I think it's you know having conversations like this is a really wonderful way to remind ourselves about you know go diving for the pearl and you know try to to be in the space of like the center of the tornado and <clears throat> being present with each other and being, you know, purposeful about having that really authentic opportunity to be together and honor each other in relationships. And, um, that's hard to do. And I think The more technology we get and the more busy we get, the harder that is to slow down and think about that. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, oh, I came home from work and we sat on the couch and we watched TV together for two hours. But the difference between spending two hours watching TV and spending five minutes of truly being present in and in this space of love with somebody else I mean, there's a huge difference between that and the way that the experience of that five authentic minutes can help, that can help really nurture our relationships and our capacity to truly connect and love each other um, is, is priceless. I don't get that from two hours of sitting on the couch, watching TV. That's just, that's just filling space to some extent you know um so it's a reminder of this conversation is a- another reminder to me um, to be purposeful about having those opportunities
2: to dive for the
1: pearl yeah and then i think what happens is when we focus on doing those things you know just kind of take this back to our you know our experience as caregivers and as parents and the experience that our children would have if we were to focus on being purposeful about having those opportunities for that truly present authentic connection with one another how many pieces of the challenges that we have, right? The behaviors, the all of the things that we do all the time, right? And all the things we do to address different things that are going on. Well, if we are really building that space of acknowledging and recognizing and um, supporting this idea that we are all enough, we are all more than enough, um, how, how that could translate into we're doing less of the, you're doing this behavior. You're doing that behavior. I need to correct this. I need to use this tool. So kind of how you were talking in the beginning about, you know, not focusing so much on, um, you know, all the skills and all the, like, this is what you do when, and this is the tool, and we're going to train you to do this. But if we actually put some focus, more focus on being spiritually uh, present with each other on a regular basis, how we may not have the need to to do some of those other skills and tools as often.
0: Yeah, but it starts with us, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Talking about this,
0: did a recording a podcast earlier today with a, a adoption lawyer from uh, Florida, and um, yeah, we touched on this. Like perfection, thing is the thing, you know. Perf- perfection, perfect with our imperfections, seeing ourselves not as not as a kind of, not a, as all of us, as for me, for all of us seeing ourselves as perfect in our perfections. And the fact that
2: uh, the kids aren't their trauma. Mm.
0: People talk about it's, um, People talk about, you know, me I heard people talk about this like adoption is part of a story. A part of, a, a, adoption is part of who, who 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 we are. And I've heard this from an adopted parent earlier today, actually. And ad, adoption is not a part of who I am. Mm. It's just something that happened to me.
2: Mm.
0: You know, trauma it is isn't
2: part of isn't part of who
0: we are it it, it it's it, it, it's uh, behavior passing behavior kind of comes and goes it, it it's aggressive feelings it's it's terrible thoughts that all that but all those stuff all the, all that stuff comes and comes and goes
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's not, you know, like I think a lot about the word of a lot, a lot about the um, the, the meanings of words, you know. So, like, people use this word essential, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's not, it's not our essence. Our if our if our essence is love, then trauma is. something that it, it, it is is a what do they call it a, a veil
2: mm.
0: a, a veil over the truth of who we are not who we are so right. you know spiritual being having a human experience spiritual being no trauma human experience trauma focus on the spiritual being bit not the trauma bit not the human experience i say this a lot trauma informed hope obsessed trauma informed
2: love obsessed not
0: trauma
1: obsessed yeah yeah i like that i think about that as um you know my professional realm of you know kind of working in this world um throughout my career you know something that we've become very purposeful about is our language and how we speak about the families and the children and youth that we work with Um, and kind of this idea about I, i mean even as simple as the word placement communicates different things right Um, So a traumatized child, as opposed to a child who has experienced trauma, right? A, um, you know, a child, let's see, so a, uh, well, let's just stick with that, like a traumatized child versus a child who's experienced trauma when we say a traumatized child, it puts the trauma in front of the person, right? It's saying your experience of trauma is actually more who you are than you as a person, right? And I know it's easy to get tangled up in like linguistics. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of things in the world where, you know, we have to be mindful of the words that we use. But I think in this, in this space with Um, you know so many of us and our kids who have had experiences of trauma if we're thinking about it from the lens of traumatized child we are more likely to focus in on that trauma than we are on the essence of who that child is like you say and I think so even something like that of thinking about you are not your trauma. You are not the things that have happened to you. You are you. Um, and while those things that have happened to you have impacted maybe the way you've gone along in your life and how you've grown and developed who you are and, and how you arrive and, and experience the world, it's still not who you are. You know, like you said, you said, um, you know, a, adoption is not part of me. It, adoption is not being adopted is not who you are. It's it's part of your story, but it's not the core of who you are. Um, and I think it's easy to forget that, especially when we kind of day in and day out are are are, are caring for or working with kids who've had things happen to them. Um, and
2: it's easy to, to to not see behind that
0: veil, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, traumatized child. That's like. It it feels like a real doom laden.
1: Yeah.
0: Permanent, you know, broken thing. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and and there's a lot of rhetoric that comes. On this, I've talked about. It. I don't know if I talked to you about it, but I'm, t- I'm sharing it so much, right? Um, I,
2: I didn't think I was wounded until I read the primal wound, mm. and I'm
0: a sensitive guy, so I took that on, and it took me down. Mm-hmm. And and then I realised it wasn't true, because I, this is kind of one of my lines, and I and I sometimes think it it's so uh, to me it's got real depth, but it sounds really flip. You can't wound spirit.
2: Mm. A wound is happen, wounds happen to bodies. Mm. But when we're not our body, yeah there's so much more with a spirit that animates the the body.
0: Uh, so whenever i say that i think that sounds too philosophical and it means something to you simon but really does it mean anything to the, the person i'm talking about does that mean anything to you Jill?
1: yeah i i mean i think there's there's we have depth beyond the physiological yeah so i mean that's kind of that's you know how i think about it um you know and it's kind of and i i think about that in the context of this you know being spiritual beings you know having human experiences um is that if we didn't have that depth and if we didn't have the spiritual piece of us then would we need each other would we would we have those experiences of really kind of being in that space of love together and really honoring the depth of who we are and the spirituality of who we are and that we are enough and we're more than enough and that we, there's so much more than just the, human, the humanity or the human piece. And I feel like we didn't have, like if I think about it, I feel like we didn't have that depth or that spirituality. Like, would we just all be wandering around independently and just going about our lives without context or without the need to be together. And I feel like the part of the human experience that is so precious and amazing is the spiritual piece
0: and that connection piece when uh, if can you think of a, a a time when that has become uh real for you when you, you when you felt that
2: a felt experience
1: um that's a really good question um You know, I'm not sure that this is what you're getting at, but the thing that's coming into my mind is an experience that I had with my son um, when he was probably 11, 12-ish, maybe a little younger than that, Um, when I would travel, and this is still true. Um and was true even before this experience that I had. But when I travel or when I would travel, it he would get very upset and very distraught and very um, you know, big tears. And it was, it was just very difficult for him. Um and he started this pattern of behavior where he was stealing my makeup. And I and I'm not, you know, I'm not a big makeup person. That, it, you know but it was like why is he stealing my things right uh, what is he doing with the mascara what is he doing with the eyeliner this doesn't make any sense is he doing artwork like why does he think he needs to take this from me and I would get mad at him and I would you know discipline him for taking my things and it happened like two or three times before I recognized that it would always proceed when I was gonna travel for work and when I was gonna be gone. And so I started thinking about that, i like, what is this about? This isn't about the thing, this isn't about the stuff. Why, what is, what's the why behind this behavior? And I kind of came to the space of recognizing that it's always been super, super difficult for him when I travel. And um, I think that that goes back to his initial abandonment that he experienced with his birth mom being left and her not coming back. Um, And so when I realized that, and he had taken, the next time he took my makeup before I was gonna travel, I went and I I sat in front of him so that we were eye to eye. And I said, buddy, I know you took my makeup again, right? And he's like, yeah. Did and I looked him right in the eye and I said, Buddy, did you take my makeup because you feel like if you have something of mine that I will come back? And he said, Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, I will always, always come back for you because you are what matters. And that moment of seeing him recognize like first of all kind of this release of like okay I'm gonna be okay and him I feel like I can't speak for him because I'm not him but what registered for me in that emotional spiritual space was him recognizing that I see him and it's not about the stuff It's not about all this other, all the waves on the surface. It's about the deep. It's about his, like his spiritual being and that just amazingness of who he is and how deeply and desperately I love him and reassuring him. And it wasn't, and it was that experience and it was that conversation. And it wasn't just words. I was very present and very I mean we're very it was a very emotional conversation that we had not not that we were crying or or you know that but it was we were spiritually connected in that moment and it was that experience that I feel like made him truly believe that that was the case that I really would come back and that I was not going to abandon him um and, you know, and then we started doing, we started drawing hearts on each other's hands before I would leave, you know, to remind him that, you know, we have each other's hearts and, <coughs> excuse me, to this day, <coughs> sorry, to this day, when I travel, he will show me and say, mom, I still have the heart and he's 15 now and he will actually color it back in. So, like if he washes his hands and it fades, he'll take the Sharpie and color it back in to make sure. But I'm not sure if that was an example that you were, you were asking for, but that was what came to mind for me.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I was about to give you one of my stories on, on this subject, but yours was far more beautiful.
2: Oh. Uh,
0: I, I've, I've had that. <laughs> I, I've had that feeling. Of, uh, I've had that feeling a few times. I actually have that feeling. This is a bit bonkers, really. Um, but I'm, I'm explaining. I guess I'm showing it because, like, the more you can see it, you, the more you can look for it. You know, the pearl finder. Um, I, I've had that, that experience at, um, and it, it, I've had that experience at rugby matches. When they sing that we we like when the, when England play Scotland and Scotland the different countries within the UK play each other at rugby, they we say each each team sings its national anthem right, um, and uh, and in that space I'm just such a softy I I'm I'm crying and usually it's my wife's Scottish I'm English we don't go to see Scotland and England because the rivalry between the two is just, doesn't work. <laughs> um, and it's not a good atmosphere, but we go to see Scotland, Scotland, Wales, or Scotland, France. So I'm not, I'm not rooting for either team, but I'm lost in the connection of the national anthem and everybody's together um, well, you know, half of the pitch are together, <laughs> half of the crowd are together for the Scottish one and the other half are together for the French. But it doesn't matter. I get the goose pimples on the, on the back. Um, but there was also, there was a time about three weeks before my dad died, um, four years ago, when he, he was asking me, um, he was asking me about, you know, the, the stuff that I was doing with kids. instead of you, you know, how's, 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 how's it going? I said, well, I'm not getting, I'm not still, it's still working great with the kids, but I haven't, haven't figured out a way to make it scale and da 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 And, and, um, and he, said, but, uh, he said, but I haven't, I haven't got started, really. And 18 months ago, he'd been trying to say, look, enough's enough, Simon, if you, if you, you know, nobody's going to, think anything bad of you if you if you kind of like walk away from this thing. but with you know kind of like once he would got this cancer diagnosis that he had you know a few weeks and months left to live he had that he was more in touch with his spiritual side and and he asked me how, how I was doing and I said I haven't got it sorted yet dad but to be honest I'm not I haven't really got started mm. and he reached out and he touched my hand and he said that's my boy,
2: mm.
0: and and it was the it, it was that moment of connection. It was that bath of love that you had with um, your son. And I remember you sharing that story about the the makeup when we had a pre we had a chat last month before we agreed to do the you agreed to do the podcast and. I, What if we could just create a few more of those in the day? Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: and it doesn't have to be this big, grand event. Even it can be simple.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a friend who's just thrown another surprise party for his wife and. To be honest, she'd she'd be more surprised if there wasn't a surprise party.
2: (laughs) It's... It's who we are. It's the place of
0: love. And uh, what a lovely conversation we've had on this.
1: Yeah. But,
0: do you know, like, I never knew we were going to go this way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, maybe we had our, we, <clears throat> we've had our own spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And hopefully the listeners have had, too.
1: Yeah.
0: All the, I guess if they're still listening, they've <laughs> maybe had something. Uh, the ones that thought we were not that long gone anyway, so.
1: That's okay. They're
0: just not it's okay. ready. They're just not ready. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So check out, I'm going to put a link in to, to Jill's um, social and uh, website and stuff uh, underneath and, and, and look at what she's doing because clearly she's coming from uh, a huge space of love. She is love. And... And you should, uh, she's, she's got that lived experience and she's doing this professionally as well. And, you know, they, these people, they're the people that, uh, that, that, move the, that move the needle.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Simon. That's been wonderful.
0: You're a star.
2: Thanks for listening, listeners. See you again soon.